Mediums are privy to a sense of love that's transformative and healing, a love that passes between and connects both sides. And in this special five-part series, we're going to explore the art and process of mediumship and all of the incredible stories along the way. Welcome to I Talk to Dead People on Inside the Wooniverse. Hey there, it's Colette Baron reed Welcome to Inside the Wooniverse. And today we are welcoming you to another episode of our limited edition podcast series called I Talk to Dead People. And oh boy, oh boy, do we ever have a treat. One of my most favorite people, Indigenous medium, Sean Leonard. He is the star of APTN's Spirit Talker documentary television series, which follows his travels across Atlantic Canada as he connects people with their loved ones that have passed on while he also reconnects with his heritage along the way. It honestly is one of the most interesting shows. Sean is a teacher and founder of the Spirit Talker Tribe online course and author of the beautiful book, The Language of Spirit. He's also a proud member of the Mi'kmaq peoples and was gifted with the name White Eagle Spirit Talker by a respected elder. Welcome, Sean. Well, thank you for having me, Colette. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and joining us for this conversation. Yeah, and I got to say, we were chatting before the interview and I met you many, many years ago. And I wasn't sure if you were just starting out at that time or you were just starting to be known because you've been doing it a while, right? And uh, we were in a car, you were sitting in the back seat and that energy that I felt emanating from you and you were super humble. Like I loved you. I actually wanted to make friends with you, but it was we we ended (laughs) up, you know, like whatever. Um, And now you've become so well known and rightly so. Your book was beautiful. You're a beautiful writer too. So, you know, your style of mediumship and the meaningful quality of the way in which you connect with spirit is just breathtaking. Plus you're fun, (laughs) which is another reason why I like you. (laughs) I definitely like to have fun. I'm still human and I, you know, I like to be in the world and and have lots of joy in my life. Yes, you do. And you're a Gemini and you're a talker, which is why this was going to be a great interview. You've got so many stories to tell. (laughs) So I want to go back in time. Let's go on a time machine, you and I. And I want to go back to your childhood. What was your childhood like? And you were born this way. So when was your first indication that you were connecting to spirit? Well, there's so many stories. I mean, the first one I would really say, you know, growing up probably about, you know, four or five years old, I was very connected to my great grandparents. And unfortunately, they passed away and I, and I love them dearly. And I remember them uh, vaguely. But after they passed, they would visit me and I'd be sleeping in my room. And it kind of like startled me a little bit because my mom made me feel like it was pretty normal that your ancestors would come and visit. So I could see shadows of people and hear them talking, but I couldn't quite make out what they were saying. But I just felt they were just talking to themselves, not to me. Right. Uh, One night, as I became more uncomfortable with them coming and waking me up, (laughs) uh, I actually put nightlights in my room because I found with nightlights, I couldn't see them. I couldn't see them standing there and I couldn't hear them as well. And I don't know why that is. But anyway, my mom would come and turn them out because, I mean, my mom was uh, trying to save electricity, I guess, the nightlights. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course, they would show back up about three o'clock in the morning. And I remember them talking and I just laid there thinking, okay, I'm going to pretend I'm asleep. 
And I'm not going to let them know that I know that they're there. And I'm not going to move. And then somebody ran their fingers through my hair. And it startled me so much. I ripped the sheets off. I looked around, hoping that it was my mom that come into the room. And it wasn't. So I know I did a backflip off my bed. I don't even think my feet touched the floor. My hands turned on the handle in my mom's room. I went, I said, mom, this has to stop. <laughs> I don't care how much they love me. They got to go. And uh, she says, well, just tell them to go. And so I went in with my mom. We had a little conversation with my great grandparents. I said, you know, Nan, Pop, I love you so much, but I really need to sleep. And you guys keep waking me up. I said, could you please not visit me anymore? And they actually didn't. They stopped visiting me in that, in the sense that I could tell that they were there. And I think that's a very common, you know, message or a common experience that many people have had through the years, you know, especially when we're young. Um, so I wouldn't say I identified as being a spirit talker or a psychic medium at that point in my life, but I knew it was definitely connected to spirit. And it kind of startled me a little bit. But that, I mean, the more that I realized that they were just visiting me with love, then it gave me a little bit more ease in life. I love that you actually said that you put the night lights on so you wouldn't see them because, you know, that's really honest. I felt the same way too when I was seeing things. I was like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that in there. Like, even to this day, it's like, don't show up in form in my house. Okay. Like, you're allowed to talk to me. I don't mind listening. Right. But I do not want to see a form walking by. Right. So there's certain things I'm just like, okay. So when we're little, yeah, it's like, even though it's a amazing that you were taught that your ancestors could visit you, um, but that also that you realized that there was the power that you could say no. That must have been interesting. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know they would actually listen to me. I didn't know that they actually <laughs> would actually hear me if I spoke to them. And as things, you know, progressed through my life, um, one of the things that used to happen to me when I was young was I used to fly a lot. I would go into my dream world and I'd be able to like step out of my body and go everywhere through the whole neighborhood. And it was like something I could do at will. And then I I would fly, you know, within a certain proximity because I didn't really know what existed beyond a certain perimeters of my home. So I wasn't, I wasn't as comfortable like flying like three miles away or anything. It'd be like a half mile and I was good. So I would get out and play as I slept. And it was really kind of odd, even though it was nighttime, it was dusky. Mm. It was always like the, the, it was a dusky light in the sky was never really that dark. So I could, I could move around in this space. And as I got older, I wasn't able to fly anymore, which was kind of odd. And I remember, because I lived on a hill in Elmsdale, Nova Scotia in Canada. And I remember that I was not able to fly. And uh, so I ran down the hill. I was flapping my arms, hoping that I was going to like get airtime. And I actually could float up a little bit and then I'd come back down. And I think what happened was as a child... And the more ingrained we become in the world of what's what we think is reality, mm-hmm. we become more earthbound. You know, I was very free spirit as a young boy, but then I was no longer able to do that. I still astral travel, like I still can leave my body here and there, but I can't fly like I used to when I was a little boy. And I also feel like that's an experience that a lot of people have had when they're young as well. So my point is, is, you know, when we're young, we don't have limiting beliefs. Right. And as we grow, we start to instill these limiting beliefs of what reality is. And then we disconnect. And then we disconnect from spirit. And um, there was one time, I remember there was this little boy I used to go play with. And he, he, he had leukemia down the hill. His name was David. We were good friends. My mom would bring me down to play with him because he was sick. And, you know, he didn't have any friends. He couldn't go to school. And then one day he died. And I remember, I said, Mom, I'm going to go find him. You know, because when I go into my dream time, I would go and find him in this place. So I, sure enough, I go to sleep, jump out of my body. I couldn't fly, so, but I ran down the hill, 
went to his home, went in everywhere through his whole home looking for him. And I couldn't find him. I was so puzzled because, you know, why wouldn't he be here if he was spirit and you, you were free? Why wouldn't you be in this space? So I woke up and I talked to my mom and my mom talked to me about a higher level of energy. She said, you know, there's other places of energy. Like, I mean, she was very Catholic, so she would say that people would go to heaven. And now I would think and look at it differently. I would say people move into the light. They move into a higher dimensional energy. It was something I was learning about, uh-huh. the different dimensions or different levels of spirit in which we can and do exist. My whole life has been progressing like that, just a constant like learning process. So you are a natural psychic medium, and I know you use that term. Uh, a spirit talker is another term that you use. So when was it apparent to you that you were tuning into information about people? Because what you're describing is in hindsight, really, when you say, oh, I was this, then I had that, then I could do this, whatever. Right. And I'm exploring, but, you know, you do this professionally now. So I, I want to know, yeah. how did you transition from your life, which was what, and then into this, because this was obvious to you? Right. I mean, there was, I'll tell you a story about my dad, because when I was 15, my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very hard. He was in the Navy. I was only 15 years old. He was gone a lot anyway, so... When he came home, it was nice to spend time with him. And I remember we were working on the garage that, uh, that weekend and he complained about having a sore chest and a sore arm. Mm. And then the next, on October 16th, 1987, he, he um, you know, my mom woke me up and said, Sean, there's something wrong with your dad out in the driveway. Mm. And she was panicked and calling people. And I went out to try to do CPR and, and I couldn't resuscitate him. And I realized he was gone. And I spoke to him and I actually cursed, I yelled, I did everything you could imagine to try and get him to go back into his body because I knew, in my heart, I knew he could hear me. Mm-hmm. And to, to no avail, and it was a year later that I had a dream. 16 years old, you know, having a little bit of trouble in high school. I was sleeping down on stairs on my mom's couch because I knew if I could sleep there, I could sneak out and come back without getting caught. <laughs> and so I did that. And I came back and I had one of these dreams where I stepped on my body again. When I stepped out, I could see myself sleeping on the couch. I was much older. I hadn't done this in a long time. But something happened. This light appeared. And it was the whitest, most purest light I could ever describe in my whole life. And it just grew larger and larger. And my dad walked out of that light. And my dad was wearing a long white robe. You know, my first thought was kind of funny because I said, what the hell are you wearing, dad? Because my dad was a hunter. He was in the Navy. He drank beer on the weekends. You know, he was, he was like a man's man. Like, he's not... Why are you wearing the white robe, man? Like, why? And then I got angry at them because he had passed. And he said, Sean, I have to tell you a few things. So I need you to really be mindful of what I'm saying here. And I said, okay. He says, Sean, you know, everything happens for a reason. And it was my time to go. And I'm here to tell you that there was nothing you could have done to save me. And I'm like, okay. He says, you need to tell your mom something. I will. He said, tell your mom that I'm, I'm okay in the spirit world and that uh, I'll visit her often. He says, but I needed to give you a message. He says, Sean, this happened for a reason. He said, one day you're going to be helping people. And I said, how is this helping supposed to take place? And he said, Sean, I want you to remember this life behind me because when are you going to help people understand where we go and where we come from? I'm like, okay, how the hell am I supposed to do this? He said, Sean, it's really nothing you have to do. It's just going to happen. I'm like, okay. And then I became fixated on the light. I thought, oh man, that was home. Ah. this world we're living in is not reality. And all I could think about was leaving this world. Mm -hmm. My dad said, you can't come. You haven't fulfilled your purpose yet. And I'm like, okay. 
So I tried to sneak by him and he touched me in the forehead and I woke up on the couch. Wow. So I, I thought it was gibberish. I thought it was absolute gibberish. And then fast forward into my 20s. I'm married, have a couple of kids and uh, you know, two daughters, Sienna and Mackenzie. And anyway, my ex-wife used to work at a restaurant called Montana's. And I would visit her and go pick her up and wait for her. So I thought it was kind of, as I sat there, she would feed me, of course. <laughs> so I would sit there and I'd invite people up for fun. Not, not like telling them. Right. But just thinking, you know, in no offense to anyone that does anything, I'm like, I'm thinking that guy deals drugs. <laughs> <laughs> that guy might be stealing some money. That, those couples are definitely like having an affair. And I would just like go through the whole gamut of things. So, uh, you know, your inside voice. Yep. Just vibes that I picked up that I, I thought were kind of fun. And then I was driving home and I would tell her, I say, you know, what do you think about this person, that person? And she goes, well, they're all good people and they're married to other people. That guy's father's a minister. And I'm like, mm, well, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And she, she called me very judgmental. <laughs> and then within a week, she caught the couple kissing. The guy got fired for stealing uh, money and the one guy got busted for dealing drugs. Wow. And she goes, how the hell did you know that? I said, oh, I said, I didn't really know it. It was just a vibe that I had. I mean, it was just a thought that I had. And I said, I didn't make anything of it. So one thing led to a next. She talks to a friend of hers at work. who Her name is Jen. And Jen is coming over now for Sunday supper. And after, I'm going to read her. Because uh -huh. she told her about what I tuned into. And I thought, well, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And she says, no, just do what you did at work. You know, just five roach. I told her she's like really into this. She really wants to meet you. And I'm like, uh, okay. So she comes over, we, we have supper. And after I'm like, Jen, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know really what I'm doing, but I'll do my best. You know, I was really like nervous, scared. And, and I just said, Jen, you haven't met a guy named Dale, have you? She goes, I just met Dale. <laughs> I, what? <laughs> and I thought, okay, what the hell's going on here? Like what's happening in my brain? What's, what's taking place here? And then I said, you know, I'm seeing like you traveling and looking after people's homes. I've seen dogs. She goes, well, actually, we just talked about that. She said, we'd be really good. I could work for my dad. We could travel around the world looking after people's homes and caring for their pets. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then uh, she goes, but the real reason why I came is I've been looking to talk to somebody. And I'm like, well, what do you mean talk to somebody? She said, well, I have somebody who's passed, and I'm hoping that you can make a connection for me. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure I can't do that. She goes, can you try? Can you? I mean, you're better than you know. She says, can you try? And I said, I guess so. And I'm thinking in my head logically, like, probably want to talk to her grandmother or somebody like this. And I said, you know, and then I described her grandmom and it was like, she says, that's my grandmom. And, and I gave her a message and, but she says, that's not who I want to talk to. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so what I did do was I, I kind of like do what I, you, you see me doing today, pretty much on Spirit Talk or the TV show on APTN. I walk around kind of staring at the floor or staring at a blank space getting my mind into a, an open space in my head. And then, boom, a picture flashed into my head. And if you can imagine this in your own mind, I saw a young man who looked about 15 or 16 wearing a baseball uniform. And he had a number on. And I saw a shed behind him. And he took a baseball and he was bouncing it up in his hand, just looking at him. Then he turned around and walked into the shed. Like, what the heck was that? I was like, where did that come from? I said, you know, Jan, I'm so sorry. I said, this is all I'm seeing. I said, I don't even know what this is. I told her, and she immediately cried. She said, That's who I want to talk to. That was my best friend growing up in high school. One night after a baseball game that we played together, he went home and he killed himself in the shed. <sighs> and I've always wanted to know that he's okay. And she says, can you tell me if he's okay? And I said, Jen, I don't know. 
I said, I feel like he's okay. I said, I don't even know how I saw that. And it really like got me really scratching my head thinking, okay, what just happened here? Mm -hmm. What took place? And then for a little bit, I actually was starting to think that I could read people's minds. Right. I went through the same thing. (laughs) I was like, this has got to be like some type of mind reading. Like I'm analytically thinking, okay, there's got to be another reason for this. She was thinking about them. She was thinking about their circumstance. And I'm like in her head somehow. Mm -hmm. And she laughed and she was happy. And next, you know, I have seven other people who work at the restaurant and want to come see me. And it was just like, boom, next thing you know, everybody's talking about what I'd done for Jen when I was set at the restaurant. And I'm like, and it just grew and grew and people were calling me and I was out of control. Yeah. And even then, I still wasn't sure. And as time uh, went on, you know, I became more open to the, what was happening in process. And I was still kind of learning through the whole, the whole thing. And uh, it was like one moment that shifted my life. And this is, and I'm so sorry it takes so long to get here. As you know, I'm a talker, no. storyteller. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> Nobody is bored. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> Don't apologize. But, I'm, riv- I'm at the edge of my seat listening. I'm loving right. it. Are you kidding? I was at work and this is, you know, many years had gone by and I was seeing clients and people and, and, I, and I started to feel like this was like legit and authentic. And because I was still like thinking that I'm a mind reader somehow, or I was still an, like just analyzing. Yep. I get it. Then I sat beside a guy named Orhan at work, and we used to work together and play sports together. And, you know, really great guy. And, um, you know, he was from, from Bosnia, and he immigrated to Canada, and he was just a really good guy. We played soccer, basketball, and everything. Very competitive soccer player. <laughs> but anyway, one day I was sitting at my computer, and something happened that really didn't happen before. I started to hear a, like a, a mental mind voice that wasn't mine. And the mental mind voice just literally just said, Charlie. Only thing it said. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. I'm like, okay, it's official. I'm schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you are my twin brother. I'm telling you, I'm like listening to you going like, oh my God, the same sort of things happened to me. Yeah, anyway, keep like, going, oh keep God. going. I'm like, there's, there's no way this is, there's something talking to me in my head. And it's not my voice. What the hell's going on? And uh, so I was thinking, you know, I should just go home. I'm not well. And I looked at Orin, voice stopped. I'm like, okay. Went back to typing on my computer at the company that we worked at. And then um, it started again. I think, okay. I was analyzing my head. Why would I be hearing this voice? I, you know what? Orhan has got a plan with Charlie on the weekend. And I'm somehow <laughs> vibing that out. So I looked at Orhan. I said, like, a really weird question. I, I mean, he's been hassling me for years. <laughs> you know, giving me a hard time, asking me what the lottery numbers were, everything. Yeah. Like he, he never let up really. And, and, and this is the first time I actually said something to him. And I said, you know, do you know a guy named Charlie? And he stopped what he was doing and he looked at him because, why do you ask that? I don't know. Just a voice in my head keeps talking to me. And he goes, I used to know a guy named Charlie. Boom. It was like a picture flashed in my head. And now I could see a bar sign in Calgary. Uh, called the Town and Country Bar. It was just the TNC. And I saw this bar sign. is like, because I'd seen it before. I'd been there before. I wish I could say that I hadn't. No, no offense to anybody that's ever been there. But <laughs> it flashed into my head. And I was like, why would I see the Town and Country Bar sign? He goes, what did you say? I said, I just saw the Town and Country Bar sign. And my mind just flashed in there. He goes, that's the last place he was seen alive. <sighs> I'm like, what do you mean seen alive? Because, yeah, you know, something happened to him. They're uncertain. I mean, he, he may have been murdered, but uh, I think they were looking for information on it. And, and then as soon as he said that, I started seeing a house. And it was like um, 
there was a house with an outside entrance to a basement and there were stairs going down. I could see him. It was like I was seeing through his eyes. Yep. And I was walking down the stairs into this basement. I felt like three or four shadows behind him. I didn't know who these people were, but I, I felt there was other people there. And then he walked down into this basement and I said, Orion, do you, do you know anything about him living in a basement apartment or anything like that? Or going downstairs from an outside entrance? And he's like, no, don't know nothing. And I said, are you sure you don't know this? He goes, what, what are you trying to say? I mean, he says, <laughs> I wasn't even in the country when this happened, just so you know. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I'm not accusing you of this. And he goes, then he got mad at me. And he says, who put you up to this? I was like, uh-huh. nobody put me up to this. And I, 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 I totally weirded him out. Like I was weirding myself out too. So as I, I was thinking about what had happened, I said, and I said, you're sure he got mad. He says, I, I don't want to continue this conversation. We're just going to stop. I said, fine. I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to upset you. I didn't, you know, I didn't mean to offend you. And we dropped it and we never spoke about it. And probably about a month had gone by and I picked up the Calgary Sun paper and I'm flipping through for the hockey scores. I'm like, was then a Calgary Flames fan. And, uh, I flipped through this, and there's a story about an unsolved murder of a guy named Charlie. Actually, his name was a Charlie, but the, everybody, his nickname was Charlie. It wasn't even his real name. Right. So, and I read about what had happened, what they were looking for witnesses or any information, and that, and they had a picture of his house, and he lived in a downstairs basement <gasps> apartment. Had the little thatched roof with the stairs going down. I'm like, oh my God, I saw that. So, Orion comes in. I underlined a bunch of things circle a few things and I'm putting down in front of Orhan and say like, Orhan, tell me about this. How, how did you know this guy's? Well, I worked with this guy eight, eight years at the airport, like eight years ago. And his name wasn't Charlie. It's a Chari, but we just nicknamed him Charlie. I said, and then I said, Orhan, I mean, how do you think I knew? I didn't even know you worked at the airport eight years ago. How are you supposed to think I put together that you worked with a guy named the Chari, nicknamed Charlie, working at the airport <laughs> that I never knew you worked at? How am I supposed to do that? And he says, I don't know. And I said, I need you to be very clear and honest with me. Did you know anything about going downstairs into the downstairs basement apartment like I asked you before? You remember me asking you? He says, I remember. He says, like I said, I wasn't here. You can't, you know, what do you, I don't know what you're trying to say. I said, no, I just need to know. Did you know this? Right. And he said, I, I swear to God, John, I did not know this. He says, why is this so important to you? I said, this is important to me because if you don't know and it is not in your head, then I know it's not coming from you. Right. It's coming from somewhere else. And you know where this is going to sound, you know, I, I, I've been intuitive doing this work for a long time, but I'm really like, I've never been certain, more certain than now that because everybody I've talked to, everybody has known things that I've said. Mm-hmm. You're the first person that I've seen something you didn't know aspects of the story that I was seeing. So that came from somewhere. And I said, you know what? When your friend was talking to me, Charlie or Charlie, whatever you wish to call him, I said, it seemed like he was really communicating to me. It seemed like a personality. He had a distinct way of like connecting to me and communicating. And he was from Fiji. And that's the difference in the, the communication that I felt that I didn't know at the time. Uh-huh. And the way he showed me the story was like he was dropping me little, I call them dropping me breadcrumbs. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you get one breadcrumb and you kind of tune into and that and you validate, up. you work with it. Yeah. And then it leads to the next little piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle. And, and when you're done, and I, and I know for yourself as well, I'm sure you probably know this, you probably get a bigger picture sometimes, but sometimes you don't even know where the picture's going. Uh-huh. And you just follow where they lead you. And as you follow that path, it unfolds. It just like develops and it just grows. And then you have the big picture of really 
what happened, who this person was, the story that they're telling you. And it's really awesome. I have a question. You get the big picture. So did you find that this was a turning point for you? And did you notice that once you allowed the potential of this coming from without outside of mind reading, because I went through the identical situation where I thought, there's no way I'm a real medium. I'm just like, I'm just really a great intuitive. I can pick up stuff up that's in your back of your memory. I felt the same way. I'm like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. But then when you surrendered to the like, oh, maybe this could be, is that when it opened up and all of a sudden all, you know, it started to come more and more and more? And was there a conclusion to this particular story? Did you, or was that what it was for you? Or did, did you find out more? Well, I did, I did speak to the police about it. I, I can't right. say what I've said to people, yeah, but no I mean, problem. that's in their hand. <laughs> and that was years later that I chose to do that because I yeah. was really kind of sketchy of even doing that. Yeah. You know, it's something I did much later. I've done locally with the Halifax police and other police departments. It's not the work that I love to do. Yeah. But I will do it sometimes. But it was a moment that I realized, like I did title my self-published book that I published through Balboa Press, which is a sister company of Hay House, um, The Language of Spirit. I love it. And, and the reason why I titled it that was because in that moment, it was like I, I completely understood a language that is not spoken with the human tongue. Mm-hmm. It's a language of energy completely. I saw pictures, I felt things, I heard things, I yeah. knew things. It was like it all came together and I was like, oh my God, I know completely how they communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, I know this is a, a form of communication of how they, they, um, they get their messages across or the stories that they tell. It was like a, a pivotal moment. And I said, you know what? I'm going to embrace this. Aha. Uh-huh. I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to see how this unfolds, what happens. I'm going to, I now know without doubt that this is 100% no, real. I, I, I get and it. And then I move forward accordingly and I, I've never stopped in my life is, I mean, I, I wish people had my experiences because you could never look at life the same way. Yeah, I really get it, Sean. I know exactly the way you feel. And if you don't mind, we're going to pause right now for a quick break. And when we come back... I'd like to ask you about the indigenous traditions that helped you weave together your heritage with your psychic mediumship. More with Sean Leonard after this break. We'll be right back. back with Indigenous medium, Sean Leonard. So Sean, part of your journey has had you marrying some of your own spiritual traditions with your psychic mediumship, and you call yourself spirit talker. So I want to see how that unfolded, because I think that's such an interesting part of your story as well, because you're so unique. There's nobody like you. Well, I mean, I, there's nobody like you either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. That's definitely true. <laughs> We're all unique in our own ways, I guess. But... Uh, I don't, I don't like feeling special. That's, okay, you know you're what not I mean? special at all. How's that? I, yeah, you're just like you the average everyday <laughs> medium. I don't care. I what feel the heck like we it's... all have these abilities <laughs> and it's accessible to us all. I don't think that you know, there, it's only, only for certain people. I think we all have these abilities. It's just trust. And... However, you have a lot yes. of stories and anecdotes that can really help people identify and hear. So that, that I would say your path has unfolded in such a way that you have a lot to share with us. How's that? So I have, absolutely have a lot okay. to share and, and I love sharing too. So 
as you can tell. Keep sharing. Uh, <laughs> so my grandmom is Mi'kmaq. She was born in Newfoundland. Uh, my mom is the oldest of 16 children because back then you had big, big family, 16 kids. Today, if you had 16 kids, you'd have uh, a reality show, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I'd spend a lot of time with my grandma who was very spiritually connected, very Catholic, but saw angels and saw spirits. And I have memories of her chasing spirits with brooms and, you know, <laughs> you know, she was just a very unique character, but very disconnected from her culture. Because in, in Newfoundland, uh, where my grandmom had, was born and grew up and, and met my grandfather and had 16 children, he was a Caucasian fellow. And to be indigenous at that time was frowned upon. And it was a stigma more than it was to be something to be proudful of. And even though my grandmom knew some of her language, as she met my grandfather and grew, she forgot her language. She forgot her culture, uh, traditional beliefs and things like that. She would know certain things about medicine because my great-great-grandmother was a medicine woman, mm -hmm. very well respected in the community, the last medicine woman there, actually. So she would tell me some of the little remedies that she would do. And that was pretty much about the extent of my culture. And as I grew as a spirit talker, I wasn't a spirit talker then, I was just a psychic medium, but I started to embrace my connection to spirit. And I connected to an elder in the spirit world. I don't know who he was. And I knew the importance of smudging as a cultural belief, but it wasn't a big part of my practice. And I remember going out to an island here in Nova Scotia that has a lot of earthbound spirits. And um, I went out there to connect with you because I was always on this thirst of knowledge of understanding the levels of spirit and, and the connection to spirit itself, like whether in the light, whether in the astral world or wherever. So I went out there to connect with a few earthbound spirits and I had, but then a big orb of light came down from the ceiling and came up behind me and shoved me really hard. And push, and I could feel him push. Wow. And then he said something to me, a Mi'kmaq, that I didn't understand. And then the whole room, and I could feel his energy move through the room in a clockwise motion. And we were in a tunnel underneath the ground. There was no outside noise. There was no outside smells or anything like that. But as I felt him move through the room, the scent of burning sage and sweet grass filled the entire room, so much so that the six other people that were there with me were covering their mouth from smoke that wasn't there because they couldn't breathe. Wow. The spirits that I was like then trying to connect to that were the earthbound spirits, gone. And then he came back to me, pushed me really hard, said something to me in Mi'kmaq, and then boop, up to the ceiling he went again. Just saw this big brawl of light go right up to the, the ceiling. I said, what just happened here? I'm sure this guy was a Mi'kmaq fellow, a Mi'kmaq elder. And I mean, was I just taught something? Mm -hmm. And I said, he was teaching me about smudging, the importance of smudging and the levels of energy and clearing space. So that was the first moment that inspired me to then to delve deeper into my culture. Maybe there's a reason why this happened, because I feel like we're all guided by our ancestors and people in the spirit world. Yeah. So I, I didn't know anybody that was an elder. So I did a live show for a charity in Halifax. It was for the Vitos for, for uh, children that were being cared for because they couldn't be with their parents. So I did a charity event very shortly after that, as they asked me to do the event. And um, there was a lady in the front row named Kathy Martin, and she was a respected Mi'kmaq elder. And I read her at the show. After the show, we get speaking, and I told her that I was searching for an elder to help me learn about traditional East. And I actually tuned into something that, that was there that was very unique, because I, I talked to her about, in Cape Breton, these three indigenous people that were murdered on a hill or beside... Uh, like Bedour, and, and I got very detailed, and I said, and, and she says, well, they didn't know where they were. I said, I do. And I, and I told her, she goes, 
And, and then I talked to her about the elder after, and I didn't know these two things would connect together. So this elder shows up at my door with, uh, you know, a bunch of different medicines and eagle wing. And so you're Sean Leonard, are you? I'm like, yeah. And then he starts teaching me traditional things. And, and then we met two or three times and I never tuned into him because that was not why I was there. It was not to like in, impress him. It was there to learn as much as I could culturally. Right, of course. And then Kathy calls me, says, had you talked to him about his grandparents? I'm like, what do you mean? Remember when you talked to me at the live show, you said there was these three people that were murdered and they never found their remains. They're his grandparents and his great aunt. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so then I met with him and talked to him. And uh, anyway, after years of meeting with this fellow and learning, that was my first beginning with culture with a, a physical person. At some point, he decided to give me the name White Eagle Spirit Talker. Mm. Usually because different ceremonies in Indigenous culture. The, the awesome thing about Indigenous culture, spiritual culture, it involves connection to spirit and speaking to your ancestors all the time. It's not like a newfound idea. It's something that has existed right. since the beginning mm-hmm. of time with Indigenous people. It's, we include our ancestors. We include speaking to them, praying to them. All our ceremonies are around them. Mm-hmm. So it's not an uncommon thing to have connection to people in the spirit world. Uh, although mine was obviously uniquely different in some ways. And as that, that relationship led to other relationships, met another elder, met another elder. And then it just kind of like helped me understand our spiritual connection even greater and made me proud. That one thing that my grandmom didn't have and that I feel today that it's safe to be a proud indigenous person and not feel like, you know, and those things marrying together, spirit, spirituality, and, and my, you know, heritage, right? all married together very, very nicely. I still take part in ceremonies. I was just at a sweat ceremony um, last weekend. You know, I just love my culture because it's, it's an extension of connection to spirit. Has it changed the way you do readings? I mean, you, you mostly do readings on your television show now. I know you retired a few years ago, um, from individual readings. But I would say, like, back then, did you notice a shift in the way in which you connected to information? Like, did you call on your ancestors to ask them to help you connect to this next person, et cetera? Or how did, how did that change the way you prepare for a reading, for example? Well, I mean, my, my whole life has been a lesson. So I, I've just incorporated every new little thing that I've been taught, including what my mom said, just talk to them. Mm-hmm. To talk to your great-grandparents. And what I found in indigenous culture, it was really through our prayers and ceremonies that it was just a conversation with our ancestors. So I incorporated smudging as part of my practice all the time, clearing me, my aura, my space, and understanding the importance of the intention and the prayers, the words that are spoken while smudging. Because mm-hmm. uh, people can smudge and not really know really what they're doing and, and, and be angry while even while doing it or right. fearful of what they might be tuning into, right? And it's so important that you marry your good intentions, good thoughts, good actions when you're doing those things because that mm-hmm. has power. That smudge is an extension of your prayer that you fill the room with. Mm. So um, I've kind of created my own ceremony of sorts where I've incorporated my culture. And when I do my sessions, I smudge, I smudge myself. And then I speak to the spirit people. Of the people who are coming to see me, I have a little conversation with them before even knowing them because I do not know who they are yet. So I said, I do not know who you are, but for the people that are going to sit before me, I invite you here. I invite you to connect to me. I'm open to that conversation. I'm open to that connection. I'm available 
for this to take place. May we work together so that I can serve your loved ones in the best ways that I can. And then the messages come through that you have for them. Help them heal in, in a great way. I'm available for that messages to come through me with great love and respect. And, and I would typically say Emsit Nogama, which is Mi'kmaq for all my relations. Mm. And it's like saying amen of sorts, because it's like right. a, a validation of her interconnectionness to everything, mm-hmm. to the trees, the rocks, the mineral nation, the plant nation, the spirit people, mother earth, grandfather, son. It's that connection that we're all connected. There's no separation in any of us. So I, I approach spirit with respect and honor, and I speak to them from my heart. I invite them to be part of that ceremony where we work together because it's not something I do without them. I have to do with them. Mm-hmm. And being the medium, the middle person. Uh-huh. We're, we're the male people. Yeah, exactly. The, the deliver the messages. We're the male. We deliver the mail. <laughs> I get in that zone and then I just allow whatever comes into my awareness, whether I know what it means or not, just to trust it, work with it and allow it to flow and just follow the breadcrumbs and where they take me. You know, I don't, I don't know where most of the things are going when I do my sessions, but I get there. I I arrive at the destination that I'm required to to meet by spirit and they don't overwhelm me because I've set those parameters up to, you know, you have to respect my personal space and my personal time. You can't be showing up full-blown apparition in my room. <laughs> yeah. They do that though sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally, not very often. And I, I, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I, I just feel incredibly blessed to be part of this process. How has it changed your view on life in general? I mean, from when you were young and now you know what you know. What is it, how has it changed the way you see the world, especially in a world that's filled with chaos and, and turmoil what do you see in terms of reality and how has it changed? Well, we all are here learning and growing and experiencing, and there's an evolution of our soul and spirit through the many lifetimes that we live. This isn't our one, one shot. And some people are different, uh, different levels of that spiritual growth. And I just accept them. I mean, some people will get under my skin a little bit. I'm human. <laughs> I'm still human. But then I come back to my spiritual groundness. Okay, okay, well, this, yeah. I'm carrying this way too long. and This is ridiculous. I shouldn't be even, like carrying this. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, the world is, uh, it's always been this way. Mm. It's never not been this way. It's, I, I, it is shifting in a way that we can now freely, especially in Canada or North America and many other countries that, that I, I may be not sure of, that we can freely express and be who we are. And that, that's a gift. And I, I think we've got a long way to go as humanity. We do. Mm-hmm. We all have our, our soul's progression of, you know, through the many lifetimes that we live. And, uh, you know, there's people that come into the world to help help us maybe take a few steps higher. Mm-hmm. And those people who have ears will listen. And those people that don't, won't. And that's okay. I accept them. And maybe they won't this lifetime, but maybe the next they will. What, if you can, because I know you have so many stories, but what would you say your most favorite or most profound reading or situation or wildest thing that's ever happened to you? Well, I, I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, well, I. Give me two. Okay. <laughs> I know you got 10 <laughs> stories right now. It's like, I know what you're talking about. Like, even two well, of them. Like, let's just go. On my spiritual <laughs> development. Okay. And because my connection became stronger and stronger with spirit, my ability to hear them, but not only hear spirit, but also record them talking to me sometimes. <gasps> so I actually have lots of voices, especially my guides and. Even during my personal sessions that I've done with people over the years, I've recorded their people talking to me during the session. 
And you could actually hear them talking. It's not like a voice in my head. It's a real voice. It's there. Those are some of my most awesomest experiences. And even learning the different levels of spirit, because the earthbound spirit is a level of energy. I mean, just in life, like just like in life. I mean, we have different levels of energy of people, right? Just the same in spirit. There's higher levels of spirit and there's earthbound spirits. And for whatever reason, they're stuck in their own energy and they choose to be. You can try to help them, but you can't help people that don't want to be helped. And I've accepted that. I will help them if they wish and want help. I remember going to a home out in Middle Muscadal, but it was a friend's house. And we were out there and just having a fire, expecting to just enjoy the evening. It was fall. It was a little bit chilly, sitting there uh, beside the fire. And uh, this, these people have a camper. They're like a camper trailer. And this is their, their camp. And we were just spending the night with them. And I'm sitting there. And this woman comes up to me and talks to me in my ear. She goes, I don't like you on my property. Like, <laughs> what the hell? You guys got somebody here? <laughs> and she goes, oh, did you hear somebody? I'm like, yeah, there's some lady who's come up and said she didn't like me on our property, for God's sake. So again, ego-driven, <laughs> right? Yeah. Connected to ego. And uh, so I know that she's earthbound. Right? Oh, interesting. Okay. And, uh, and even her personality, because she has this persona where she's not rise to a high level energy, where she's moved into unconditional love, that, that she's expressing to me her dislikes and, and she doesn't even like me there. <laughs> and, and, I say, and she goes, oh, that's so-and-so. She used to own this land and she actually died here. I said, how did she die? Well, she died in a house fire. I said, she died in a house fire. Where was her house? Actually, right where we're having the fires where our house used to be. I'm like, well, I'm sure she's stoked that we're here. <laughs> having a fire where she lost her life. And uh, so anyway, I said, you know what? She's going to come back. So I, then I grabbed my ex-wife's phone and I hit record on, on because I know, and this is the weird thing, is like sometimes when people talk to me, nobody will hear them, but I can hear them. Right. And I'll sit there and I'll wait. And just record on like a digital recorder or your phone or whatever. And eventually they'll come back and say something to me. And I caught her. And she came back and she said, tell her son to stop hunting on my property. And I was like, got her. (laughs) And I rewound it, played it back, and they could hear exactly the same word for word what she was saying. It was awesome. Did it come in like super grainy? No. Oh, it was clear. It was clear. It's like hearing another person. It was loud too. Because I would have extra voices on tapes that I would send. Like when I used to tape my readings on cassettes, sometimes yeah. people would play them back and go, oh my God, I hear this whole conversation behind me. And I'm like, that's what I was hearing. But yeah. it would show up on the tape, but it wasn't that clear. Yours were super clear. That's amazing. Yeah, I've got some really, if, on my YouTube channel, I have like some really good clear voices. Wow. Uh, different, like I went out doing earthbound spirit investigations and just different levels of energy. There's my guides are on there. You can hear them talking to me, giving me guidance about this. I, I, got, a, I got a pirate on there. Uh, it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm probably <laughs> the only person in the whole world that's actually heard a legitimate pirate. Oh, wow. Well, we actually have a couple of voices that you recorded. Okay, everybody, let's take a listen. Well, this next clip is, like I said, in Point Pleasant Park, there were some pirates. And there's one pirate in particular that I connected to named Edward Jordan. Uh, he came through and it's, I got a, his voice uh, on our digital recorders that I never heard. But when we listened to it on the digital recorder, you could hear it very clearly. And it's so cliche of a pirate. It's just a click and it goes, I. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but you never thought, you know, that you would hear a pirate really like that. But apparently the cliche is true. <laughs> All right, let's have a listen. Uh, uh, 
my God, that is so wild. Oh my God, it's so amazing how you captured those voices. My nickname is the Mystical Pirate because no I swear, I swear. <laughs> so you better, <laughs> because I like to swear. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Shiver me timbers. Okay, so let me ask you another question. So after having done thousands of readings now, have you discovered in conversation with your guides or with these people where we go? I mean, I know you've said the light, right? That's like, yeah. you know, we lose our body, our shape, our even our ego self, our personality shifts or changes. But is there, you know how Christianity talks about places? Well, monotheism, maybe actually every religion tries to describe a place when you think about it, of where right. we would go, but... Do you have an indication of what happens when we die and where we go? From the many people that I've spoken to in spirit, and plus the many near-death experience people that I've heard their stories of actually where they have died mm -hmm. and come back. Um, I mean, there's topography. It's very, it's a higher level energy that overlays our world. Mm. The topography is still there. There's trees, there's oceans, there's a sky. This, I mean, the sun is a little bit different, but it's a space and place. Uh -huh. You can move in and out of forum, though. It's not like you're walking around with your two legs all the time. Usually it's like you, um, and I've had very vivid dreams where I've been on the other side. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you about a vivid dream I've had. Sure. One of those dreams, I was in an auditorium on the other side and there was many spirits that were there. And I realized that we were all spirits there to hear this one person speak. And I don't know who the person was, but they were like in the middle of the auditorium. And there was like millions of people there like a Romanesque Colosseum of sorts. But we took about a different amount of space. Mm. It was like I was just an orb. Mm -hmm. And there was surrounded by all other orbs of energy, orbs of light that were there. And But the person that was speaking was in form. And we, we moved into this dimensional space of like uh, where we would take up less space to hear this person give a lecture. And then as soon as he was done speaking, we would leave the auditorium, but then we would return to form. So we would, could move mm. in and out of form if we chose to. Some people didn't choose to. Some people choose not to be in form. And the other thing is, is too, is like we, we lived many lifetimes. Mm -hmm. You could choose into, you could love the form that you lived in the 1200s <laughs> right. as opposed to the form that you have in, in this past incarnation. But mm -hmm. it wouldn't be like you look at somebody and go, hey, who the heck are you? You wouldn't know exactly who they are. They'd be like, oh my God, you're my dad from you know, the multitude of lifetimes that we live together, although he's choosing to take on form of a different uh, person from another time. Because there's a soul memory of like, uh, that is transcends our earthly memory in a much greater way. But on the other side, can you can move in and out of form. And the other side moves in and out of form as well. It's what you bring your awareness to. So tell me what you think as a result of this or what you, are, you sense death actually is. Like, has this made you not afraid of death now? As maybe you were when you were younger, because I think all human beings are afraid of death or certainly the ego is afraid of dying. So how does that make you feel about death and dying now? Well, I don't believe in death. So, I mean, I don't believe there is a death. I don't think it's possible that you can actually die. I think it's just you, it, you, and I've heard it called the blink experience. You blink in one reality and you awaken in another reality. Uh -huh. And it's, it's where you bring your attention, your awareness to. And that's why some people, I feel like, choose to be earthbound or stay or remain on the earth, or where uh -huh. people move into higher dimensional energy or into the light from what I could see. Because we are made of the light. We are light. I mean, if there's, there's light photon energy emanating from us all the time, and it's in our aura. We are that. 
there's really nothing solid in your physical body right now, even though it's aging. I mean, we've aged since, you know, being this small to who we are. Are we, are we not that person? Are we this person? Are we that person tomorrow and not the one we were today? We're, we are, we, you know, I'd say like the great Wayne Dyer would say, I am. I am. Mm-hmm. There is no, isn't, or an end of, we just are, I am, and I am always, and I always will be. And there is really no death. I love that. Yeah, we just change shape. Science says the same thing. Energy transforms. Yeah. It doesn't dissipate or disappear. Or it just transforms. What that transformation, science can't really say, well, this is what you transform into. Uh, maybe one day they will. Maybe one day they'll be able to see that light photon energy leave your body. And I know there's been uh, videos out there that I've seen where that has happened, where you can see like somebody stepping up out of their, their body. Um, because really, we're not this form. We transcend this form. We've been many forms. And we'll be many forms in the future and, or, or, or in the present moment. Because there is, again, like you said, there's no past. There's no future. There's just the present. We just are. And we always will be. There is no doubt. It's about, I think, to letting go attachment to what we think is. You know, like we can become so attached to a story about the narrative about what we think life is and and what we pay attention to. You know what? Do you want to pull a card? Let's ask Spirit. Sure, absolutely. And let's pull a card. I'm going to use my Oracle card deck that I created with Alberto Valaldo based on the Jungian archetype of the shaman. So it's called the shaman's dream. I got that one. Yeah. Oh, you have it? Oh, that's so good. I know. I, I have your deck, yeah. Oh, I love it. So um, let's just ask Spirit jointly, like, what do you want us to talk about in conclusion of this amazing talk? Is there anything that we could speak on, both Sean and I, that would help uh, anyone who's listening or watching us today? So, um, Sean, tell me when to stop shuffling top middle or bottom top top okay intentionality this is good because you've mentioned this a few times and this is this card is called the eye of the needle intentionality i'll just show it show it here so this is all about that everything is based on intention and i want to go back to something that you said when you talked about smudging about that it is like intentional prayer that when you put your intention into something you know your smudging is an extension of that or the extension of the prayer so i i would say this to mean that if we intend to make a connection to our loved ones we can but also if we can intend to see the truth of our reality we also can that we are not trapped in the illusion that we have chosen to see as our reality that there are ways out would you say that's true or what would your view on this oh absolutely i i'd say from an indigenous perspective that there is a creator but you are also a creator mm-hmm. we create our life every day and you can create it in a good way. And you can create it in the worst ways that you can imagine. And some people do, unfortunately. Yeah. But you have all the power in you to, to shift your life for the positive. And it starts with what you feel inside. Beautiful. One last little teaching. This is an indigenous teaching, the four sacred fires. You know, we connect to grandfather's son because that was the first light, the first sacred fire. And we honor it through our ceremonies. We always start our ceremonies where the sun rises in the east. And then there's another sacred fire. The second sacred fire is the one that's within the core of the earth, as that's our mother. And with the heat and that light within, you know, there wouldn't be gravity, wouldn't be life if that sacred fire didn't exist within our planet in just the right way, in just the right proximity to grandfather's son. 
And then we have our ceremonies like the smudging, the sacred fire that we light and that we put our intentions to that we're your creators. But there's one sacred fire that you have to really be mindful of. It's the one that's in your heart. That sacred fire that exists within here is the one that you have to make sure that you give good wood to, you speak good words to, that you 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 don't feed a, a sacred fire with bad wood or, or you don't put bad intention to it, but yet many of us do that in our life for ourselves. We're in control of our thoughts, we're in control of our life. And by the choices you make with your intentions, because it's all intentional, what you intend for your life, you intend a good life, then create that. And if you intend a good life, don't let anything else drag you down. Don't let the negativities of the world be the weight on your shoulder that says, no, I can't do this. You have the power to connect to all the sacred lights and you are that sacred light yourself. So remember that. Remember that you have that power, that intention to be inspired every day to like move into the direction that you see that you wish to move in for yourself and whatever level that you can move into. We are all creators. Oh, that's so beautiful, Sean. Thank you so much. So everybody, Sean's TV series, uh, Spirit Talker, is currently broadcast on APTN. That's the Aboriginal People's Television Network in Canada. And Sean, I also understand that your show is soon to be released globally. I know Australia and New Zealand have lined up already, yes? Yeah, they've given verbal um, confirmation that they'll be taking it on there. So excited. And it is going to be in the United States and all over the world in the next 18 months, or I will eat my cards naked in Times Square. (laughs) 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 Maybe there's something else you don't know. (laughs) There's something else you don't know. I'm actually, I've signed with Hay House. Oh my God, really? That's so Uh, great. I didn't know. I just finished my own Oracle card deck called Spirit Talker. It's coming out in November next year. Oh my God. And uh, a book, it's called Spirit Talker, Stories from an Indigenous Medium, which will be coming out in September of next year as well. Oh my God, I had no idea. This is so fantastic. Okay, well, this is this is like a celebratory day for sure. So listen, for more information about Sean and all of his offerings, you can find him online at sean-leonard.com. You can also click the show notes link in the description and be whisked to a page with all of this information and so much more, including Sean's actual spirit voice recordings, which we included in this episode. Did you hear them? But in case you missed it, we'll put the link to Sean's YouTube channel in the show notes page as well. Thank you so much, Sean. Such a pleasure to connect with you here. And oh, I can hardly wait to get my hands on your deck and we can do stuff together. Yay! Um, so <laughs> great, everybody. That was Sean Leonard. Thank you again. Well, thank you, Colette. And thank you, everybody that, that follows Colette. She's an incredible, amazing woman. I'm so blessed to have been on her podcast. And I know everybody's blessed by the teachings that she shares. So Thank you, Colette, and thank you, everyone, for following Colette. What an amazing conversation. What did we learn today? Well, I'm just going to go back to the same card that he and I picked together, which was intentionality, because really, isn't that true, that everything is intention, that we create our reality through intention, that spirit comes to us through our intention to be here, to be present, that we can develop our relationship to spirit through the intention to do so. And I really found, you know, as well, that his humility, you know, the idea that humility is something to strive for, that that we're here to serve. and And we're also here to have a sense of humor. I found him to be 
There's a kind, compassionate humor about Sean as well, too. So anyway, I think that if we consider the concept of intentionality and that when we create an intentional relationship with spirit, we then remember that we have those connections to all of life and all of each other. And it's just always there. And we don't die. So basically, I learned a lot today. Anyway, (laughs) thank you for listening to our limited edition series, I Talk to Dead People on Inside the Wooniverse. Until next time, I'm Colette Baron-Reed. Be well. I Talk to Dead People is a production of Wooniversal Network Studios. A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuy, executive producer, Connie Deletti, content editor, Julie Fink, and audio post-production by Michael Seifert and David Shaw at Summa Recording. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you are hearing this podcast right now. And you can keep up to date on episode releases, bonus content, and prize giveaways by visiting us at itwpodcast.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode on Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.